I was hiking the Humbug Trail along Humbug Creek in Malakoff State Park a while back. I was well up on the canyon wall so I could look down on the creek. Somewhere upstream, Diggins Creek, and let me here put in my thanks to State Park's geologist Sid Brown for identifying the creek for me. A bit upstream, Diggins Creek flowed into Humbug. Diggins Creek flows out of the Diggins, out of all that mud the miners washed down from the walls of their mine. It carried that mud and dumped it into Humbug Creek. What was striking was that for a long, long stretch, the two creeks did not mix. Humbug was now a two-tone creek. It carried mud down from the Diggins along one bank, and it carried clear water on the other. The two creeks flowed in one channel, side by side. If you think of our atmosphere as an ocean of air, currents flow through it. A major current flows from Asia to the Americas. And, like Humbug Creek, these currents can acquire inputs from elsewhere. Say, some warm, moist air from the tropics that gets carried along without mixing much. That current of warm, moist air within the general flow is an atmospheric river. I spoke with Dr. Katarina Gonzalez, until recently a California resident, now at the University of Minnesota. Atmospheric rivers are such thin features, thin river-like features, relatively speaking, a couple hundred miles across. That is thin when you realize that the North Pacific, equated to Alaska, stretches four thousand miles. When we watch these features on the satellite imagery, they're very dynamic, they're very transient. Some atmospheric rivers are slow and sluggish, and some are whipped around by the winds that are slamming them into the mountains or whatever. My work and others' work has found that the amount of wind is important, and others have found that the angle of atmospheric rivers is also important. All these things influence how much rain gets pushed out by these atmospheric rivers. The geography of the coast, the geography of the mountainous regions, topography really matters. The coastal ranges in California and the Sierras, they kind of run north-south. The angle at which the atmospheric river, if you can imagine it like pointing straight at the Sierras, aimed perpendicular, then you get the highest efficiency of uplift, moisture forced up, forced to condense and rain down. These result in sort of the highest precipitation outcomes, the highest precipitation efficiency. Our atmosphere often sets itself up in patterns Patterns that seesaw oscillate back and forth from one condition to another. High pressure here, low pressure there. Or oscillating to low pressure here, high pressure there. The most famous of these oscillations, ENSO, the El Nino Southern Oscillation. El Nino, La Nina, El Nino, La Nina. I wondered how these patterns steered atmospheric rivers. The overall circulation is influenced by these oscillations, these patterns. And so when we get set up with a high, 
that will block the atmospheric rivers from making landfall. If we have a favorable setup with a low, this season's a great example of that. We have our triple La Nina third in a row, and that's going to mean lots of rainy days in the Pacific Northwest and likely Northern California. Central and Southern California, perhaps not so much, and that's usually up to what the atmosphere is going to do, so it's less certain, but we're already seeing in the northern latitudes this sort of favorable pattern set up by La Nina for these atmospheric rivers to continue to make landfall. So often we seem to be right on the boundary of the extreme wetness and the extreme dryness. Mm, yes, straddling that boundary. It's, it's such an interesting place. Your word interesting covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> yeah, I've been living in the Midwest here for one year. And in the Midwest, interesting is sort of a way to say concerning. <laughs> they are interesting indeed, but it's also sometimes a hard place to be predicting what's going to happen and sort of those seasonal outlooks of precipitation for Northern California. And especially given the summer that Northern California has had, it's a great example of compound events compound events. Fire on top of drought on top of lots of rain. All of those compounding in one place can have real concerns for landslides or debris flows. Kat, it's been very good talking with you. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Al. I'm glad I could chat about my favorite subject. I'm speaking with Dr. Katarina Gonzalez of the University of Minnesota. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.